everyone, this is Cartoons to Castles. The history behind the mouse and magic. I'm Melanie. And I'm Jessica. We're best friends and Disney nerds who wanted to learn more about the history behind the Walt Disney Company's movies, shows, music, theme parks, and more, and share it all with you. So thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's episode. Well, welcome back, everyone. This is episode three of Cartoons to Castles. Episode three. We are so excited. Thank you all so much for the continued support and your ratings and reviews. Those really help listeners find us. So they're all really appreciated. And we are very excited for this episode. We have another guest this time. Um, Our guest today, she is a huge Disney fan, particularly with a love of Disney bounding and Disney Parks collectibles. She is one of the founders of the charity jewelry line, St. Amos Jewelry, and an actress, model, and mom. Please welcome Caitlin McHugh Stamos. Hello. Hi, Caitlin. Hi. <laughs> welcome to Cartoons and Castles. I'm happy to be here and talk some Disney. It's yes. been a while. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you go ahead and reveal to our listeners what topic you chose for us today? We're going to talk Disney memorabilia. <laughs> Yay! Yay! I think a topic we all like because there's a little bit of something for everyone in that topic. So everyone has something within Disney memorabilia they like, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, with Disney, Mickey Mouse on pretty much every brand these days. I Before the world <laughs> shut down, I remember walking in the mall and seeing Mickey Mouse in like every single shop window and I wasn't mad at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, we like that. We like to see Disney out in the wild. <laughs> yeah. So can you kind of tell us, I mean, obviously we all love Disney collectibles, but can you tell us a little bit about your love of collectibles and what drew you to this topic? Well, these days I'm doing a lot of collecting of Disney face masks a la Etsy from yeah. Le Ears Shop. So I have some matching with my matching ears. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, everyone loves collecting ears. That's a lot of fun. And they're up in my closet. And so every day I look at them and wish I was wearing them in a park right now. But, uh, yeah. but really our family is huge in collecting Disneyland memorabilia, specifically my husband who for years has been collecting it astounding amount of things that are hard to get your hands on these days. And so I thought it'd be Mm -hmm. fun to share some of those stories about those pieces. Yes, we cannot wait to hear those stories. And I'm sure our listeners are excited to also. And I was really excited when you picked this topic because I never really... Obviously, with Disney collectibles and memorabilia, you think about what things you personally like and shopping and and the treasure hunt of it. But I never really thought about, hey, it might be fun to dive into some of the history of Disney collectibles. So I thought it'd be fun to research this a little bit. So I'm going to kick off the episode by talking about some of the Disney history behind some of the weirdest and unusual Disney collectibles in existence and their origins. So I found some fun, weird stuff for us (laughs) to chat about. Well, I I do want to backtrack this by saying when Melanie and I were trying to figure out what each of us were going to talk about, we were like, well, I have to talk about the weird stuff because I'm the one in episode one where we're talking about the opening day of Disneyland where I'm like, let me share all the crazy bathroom stories. (laughs) (laughs) This is on brand. I have to do the weird one. So, um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
So first off, uh, now this isn't really a weird collectible, but it's a weird story. Also, the origin of how Disney merchandise began. I had always known that the first piece of Disney licensed merchandise was a school note tablet. Did you guys know that? Had no idea. No, I, I mean, I knew it was one of the early ones, I think from one of the exhibits that I went to, but I didn't know it was the first. The very first licensed product, and understandably, Walt and Roy were very hesitant to have any licensed products because they were still you know, nervous to let anyone use their characters in any way because they had recently experienced the theft of Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. So mm. they were like, no, we're not letting outside people make merchandise. We're not doing licensing rights to our characters. But on October 29th, 1929, that date might sound familiar because that was the day of the Wall Street collapse that led to the Great Depression. Walt was in New York City meeting with Pat Powers, and a stranger followed him to his hotel and cornered him in Creepy. the hotel lobby. You know, <laughs> all great business deals begin. Yeah. <laughs> so this man... We don't recommend no, that. No, this man cornered him in the hotel lobby. Again, would not recommend that today. He then asked if he could put Mickey Mouse on the cover of the school note tablets that he manufactured. Walt did not want to, but then he eventually agreed when this mysterious man offered him $300 in cash. And then this first licensed product emerged in 1930. And now, you know, licensed merchandise says copyright Disney. This one said 1930 copyright Walter E. Disney. And this was an interesting quote from the Walt Disney Family Museum about this story. This was on their website. Walt said about this encounter, a fellow kept hanging around my hotel, waving $300 at me and saying that he wanted to put the mouse on the paper tablets children use in school. As usual, Roy and I needed money. So I took the $300. <laughs> and that's, a, this, that's a, quite the bargain now <laughs> i know three hundred dollars um and this opened up walt and roy's eyes to the money making potential merchandising had as i mentioned they were reluctant because of the theft of oswald uh but you could say the school note tablet mysterious hotel encounter launched disney merch and thus disney collecting in a way so i just wanted to share that weird origin story <laughs> Yeah. That's interesting. That is a weird one. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's many other types of things people can collect aside from licensed merchandise, which Caitlin's going to chat about here in a bit, but just wanted to share that little story. And now for a few weird collectibles. The first one I wanted to start off with is a Disneyland one that is weird that actually Melanie, Caitlin, and myself have all seen in person. Melted Snow White. Yay. <laughs> That's my girl. Melty Snow White. <laughs> so Jess will explain. Yeah, for those who are like, what in the world are they talking about? So a couple years ago, 2018, I believe, right? That seems so long ago, yeah. but I guess it was. Yeah, because Billy was yeah. just a little mini mini blob then. I, how was that two yeah. years ago? I don't know, but apparently it was two years ago. There was an exhibit um, from a collector named Richard Kraft, and he created a it was like an exhibit slash auction called That's from Disneyland that was here local in LA. And people could just go and see the collectibles for free. And we were all at this like fun party. They had like a 90s theme party to debut it. And kind of the star of the show, I should say social media star of the show was Melted Snow White. 
It was a Snow White statue that used to be in a store window at Disneyland. And this collector acquired it. And she was stored in the heat and her face kind of (laughs) melted. It kind of looks like a potato shape, like on its side. That's funny that that was the star. Like that wasn't my takeaway from the event, but it was a post, yeah, post event. It was talked about. Well, I was looking into it and I guess like Variety um, had done an interview with Richard Kraft before it opened. And he was saying, he was like, oh man, I can't believe like I let this Snow White statue get in this condition and he felt bad about it and he almost didn't want to put it in but he did uh, because he posted a photo of her on Instagram and people were making memes they went nuts so (laughs) he was like okay well let's get her in and he liked the idea of also showing Disney collectibles being imperfect and not just pristine to kind of show the wear over time but yeah there was meme palooza with melted (laughs) Snow White I mean if I could have bit on her, I would have bit on her. <laughs> what were everyone's favorite pieces they would have bit on? Yeah. So Jessica, what was yours? What was your favorite yeah, piece? Was- like the, if you could have um, bit on something, what, what would you have wanted to get at Richard Kraft's that, that is so hard. Well, it's two years. So I'm like trying to remember everything. But I feel like I would have loved that skyway bucket oh yeah yeah and that's rare because it's not around anymore yeah i would have loved that that was another big instagram op at the exhibit where people could sit in that disneyland skyway bucket um i'll have to dig up a picture i i know i have one we probably all do Uh, (laughs) yeah and the last little tidbit about the melted snow white that is just fun so melanie you had a snow white art wall do you still yeah i still have it and I'm going to show you a piece from it later. Oh, yeah. I'd love to see that. Yeah. So Melanie has an art wall in her house with like a bunch of Snow White stuff. And it, it's been a thing of for a few Christmases or birthdays. If I see a really cool art piece at Snow White or something in an antique store, I've given it to you as a gift and you've added it to the wall. So it's kind of become a thing. And at the That's From Disneyland thing, my husband had a booth where he was like offering to do like custom art prints and things like that. And your husband, Jeremy, went up to him and asked if he could do a custom drawing of Melted Snow White for your place. You're so white wall. Yeah, and uh, we are definitely going to post a picture of Melted Snow White because the art that Garrett did was just <laughs> lovely. It's <laughs> like you were really there. It's like you were really there. <laughs> you were really there. <laughs> It's still on my wall. I love it. <laughs> but yeah, I was just, I was doing a dive on the internet of weird uh, Disney collectibles. And then I was like, wait a minute. I know the perfect one to kick this off with because we all experienced it and it's full glory. <laughs> um Another weird collectible. Did you guys, I, I feel like a lot of people know this, not everyone. Did Did you guys know there was a tobacco shop on Main Street when Disneyland opened? Yes. Oh, it's no, I didn't remember yeah, that. It was there mm. when Disneyland first opened. It's actually the 20th Century Music Company store. So that store that has, um, it's kind of narrow and it has a lot of pins and books and CDs and all that. It's adjacent to the magic shop. But that's why there's yeah. the Native American chief out front. Because that was like a common symbol for tobacco shops during that time period when Disneyland opened. And that's why that is there. But it used to be a tobacco shop and they had some Disney branded tobacco products. (laughs) And I thought that's pretty crazy because you would never see that today ever. I mean, (laughs) 
With all the commercials on early 2000s Disney DVDs with anti-smoking PSAs with Disney characters, like they always show Cruella <laughs> and they're like, don't be like Cruella. Like, <laughs> and also, you know, just Disney in general being a family friendly company, I would never think of not only Disneyland branded products, but you guys, I found stuff from the Disneyland tobacco store on eBay and whatnot with Disney characters on it, like Mickey and friends. And I'm just like, were they smoking? No, (laughs) no, they were not smoking. But the one that struck me as the most odd was Mickey, Goofy and Donald holding up an American flag. And then it said America on parade. For those who don't know, there was a parade called America on parade in 1976 to celebrate the 200th birthday of the United States of America. And so there's just a matchbook that says um, on one side, it says tobacconist, tobacconist. I don't know exactly how to pronounce that. Souvenir matches from Disneyland, Walt Disney's Magic Kingdom. And then the other side is the characters holding the American flag that says America on Parade. Other ones I found have Tinkerbell on them. Another one had Mickey Mouse in a party hat that said happy 50th birthday, Mickey. Other odd items that you can find uh, several of on eBay are cigar wrappers that say Disneyland and that have a little icon of a uh, Main Street streetcar and there's also this was the weirdest i thought you can find pouches of tobacco blends that say disneyland with the disneyland castle logo and on the pouch it reads disneyland special blend that tastes like (laughs) (laughs) i mean i've seen some on ebay and i'm just like i i think it's empty though i'm just i mean it probably wouldn't taste good now Uh, i I hope so (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah, so I, I just thought that those were really weird. And, and to add on to this history of the tobacco shop, I found out. So I knew there was a tobacco shop on Main Street when the park opened. However, I found out that this store closed in 1990. No. That's pretty recent. I had no idea it was around that long. And then from 1990 to 1999, it was a store that sold sports cards and sports memorabilia. And then after 1999, it's now what it is today, the 20th Century Music Company. And apparently Disneyland, the tobacco shop closed in 1990. They didn't stop selling cigarettes until 1999. That's so interesting. And I... You know, I, I've been going to the parks that to Disneyland since 1986. Yeah, <laughs> and I so I, so I mean, I went there when that was there. I obviously too young to uh, um, partake right. in that store, but <laughs> it is so weird to think that it existed when I was there. And I wonder when they started implementing smoking sections versus just anywhere. I, I, um, yeah, that would be, yeah, yeah, that will be for the mini app after this. <laughs> Follow up. <laughs> we will look into that, but yeah, I, now there's no smoking at all. Not even a smoking section within the parks. So yeah. I do remember there being um, cigarette packs at the little stands. You know, when you first walk in and you can get you know sunscreen and yeah and Tylenol or whatever you need. Like I do remember cigarette packs being there that I could see as a kid, but I don't remember the tobacco shop at all. My family wasn't smokers, yeah, but you would think I would have noticed yeah. it. It's as a, a really kid. narrow store, and I can imagine as a kid, it doesn't maybe necessarily draw yeah. your attention. I, just... I mean, I was focused on the magic shop for sure. <laughs> like you, you know, yeah. the kids were like, "Oh, yeah. magic, not not cigarettes, not yeah. tobacco." <laughs> but I just thought they were, that was kind of crazy to see these tobacco yeah. products. Um, 
That'll be some last- of your stinkiest memorabilia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The last weird item that I wanted to talk about that was kind of interesting. So Melanie and I, we went to this panel at the Bowers Museum in Orange County earlier this year. I, I have no concept of when we did things anymore. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sometime before all this. It was earlier this year. That's what I thought. What does time even mean anymore? No. We knows. learned, but Caitlin, I'm curious if you knew this, that the first Ariel doll, like first Ariel Barbie was blonde. No, I did not know that. <laughs> we just found that out at that panel and I looked more into it and it's kind of weird. Um, the first <laughs> couple Ariel dolls made by Tyco, it wasn't official Barbie Mattel brand. I just called it Barbie because, you know, that style of doll. But uh, it was made by Tyco and they were strawberry blonde, leaning more into the blonde than the strawberry. And according to an interview with with Cinema Blend, co-director uh, Ron Clements said, this is a quote, John Musker and I, we wrote the original script and our intention was always that she would be a redhead but the Tyco Toys Company was were making the dolls and when they came in they saw that she was a redhead and they were horrified they said all of our research at that time shows that redheaded dolls have never sold they just don't sell and they're the ones making the dolls and we said well I'm sorry but she's going to be a redhead the truth is they were so panicky about it that the very first Ariel dolls that were made was not a redhead she was kind of a strawberry blonde and people wanted the dolls and so Tycho had to go back and remake the dolls because people wanted to purchase the doll with red hair like in the movie nowadays you see that hair color and it's not that unusual anymore That was the end of the quote. And in the same interview, he mentioned that Jeffrey Katzenberg was also alarmed by the red hair when he saw pencil drawings of Ariel. He just assumed she would be blonde because according to Jeffrey Katzenberg, he said, mermaids are always blonde. Everyone knows that. Oh my gosh. Well, he's he's been wrong a few times with that film. He also wanted to cut the signature song out of the film. He had a few mistakes back then. (laughs) I, I just was shocked that that he said mermaids. Everyone knows mermaids are blonde. Oh my oh, goodness! Yeah, because they're real. They're real. And I wonder what he'd say about the most recent live action casting. Then I don't know. I know. So the first Ariel dolls were oh, strawberry blonde as a compromise and you could look them up on ebay we'll be sure to share pictures of the strawberry blonde ariel on our instagram stories there's several on ebay she's uh the mermaid version of ariel strawberry blonde and she also comes with her kiss the girl dress and then there's also a second strawberry blonde ariel doll they made in her pink dress but the white or the pale pink parts that are the accents on her pink dress. They're like off-white lace and her dress is a collar, a lacy collar that goes like all the way up to her neck. It's like a very matronly look. Um, It was interesting. And then, yeah, she's strawberry blonde and their research was proved wrong. People just wanted a doll that looked like the character that they loved in the movie. Of course. Well, imagine if their idea of diversity, seriously, like if their minds were blown by a redheaded doll, like, what would they have thought of uh, a non-white doll? They would have gone insane. That's probably why we have such a lack of diversity in dolls. <laughs> oh, my so gosh. Long. Yeah, it's getting better. I'm glad it's getting better. I mean, if there's any good things to come out of this year, I think appreciation for diversity is among them, which is and I'm grateful yeah. for. This is completely yeah. unrelated to Disney, but related to diversity in dolls. 
if you guys are interested in learning kind of what goes into the fight for diversity in dolls, um, I, there was a really interesting documentary I saw on Hulu called Tiny Shoulders. And it was the, I believe it was the PR team or design team, a combo of both at Mattel who fought so hard to make the Barbie Fashionista dolls, the ones that we see now that um, are really diverse in size and in race. They just fought so hard to make that happen. And it, it's a really cool documentary to see if you're interested it was really cool i have a funny story back to little uh, little mermaid dolls yes my neighbor told me uh my neighbor has three girls and they were one of them was particularly obsessed with ariel doll uh i think a plush one but they made different ones and some had much larger breasts (laughs) than others i think that she lost hers and it had big boobs and so and so the mom uh, tried to get her a new one, but it had smaller ones, and the daughter noticed. And she's like, "This is not the right Ariel. She doesn't look right." <laughs> and so she had she like searched far and wide to get the ones. <laughs> I've never the bigger thought... shells. <laughs> well, so now funny. I mean, now I won't be able to help it. Next time I go to Target or something, and I'm You're gonna in notice. The aisle, I'm gonna be like, "What if? <laughs> what are her boobs? Like? What size? Like, what size are those shells? <laughs> is it a little?" Mom, this is clearly a B cup, not a D. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, that um, funny. That's so funny. So, Caitlin, uh, now we're going to get transitioned to you, and we'd love to hear you chat a little about the stories you wanted to tell us. Well, um, so let's see where to start. Uh, like I said before, John has a really unique collection of. Disneyland memorabilia. He's been going to the Disneyland since he was a kid. He grew up really nearby. So uh, that's what first drew him to Disneyland is its proximity. (laughs) And he was hanging out there like every day with friends. And um, a friend of his started collecting World War II, I think, memorabilia. And John's like, I want to collect stuff. And then uh, (laughs) what do I like? Hmm, Disneyland. And so that's when that began. But a lot of his collection was gifts. So he received a can-can girl from Small World as a gift uh, from, I believe, the head of Disneyland at the time. Wow. Uh, and here's the thing. So he's got some Disneyland ride cars, like a Snow White grumpy car, a Space Mountain car from Disneyland, and a Dumbo from Disney World. And it'd be like, how do you get your hands on one of these things, right? Well, right. They, the parks, they, they change them out pretty frequently because, you know, they, they get old and they need to replace them with new ones. They're all, you know, a lot of times outdoors and the wear and tear on them is rather frequent. <laughs> I mean, except this year. Uh, right. So, so they just normally just toss a lot of these in the garbage. And, John's, and so John sometimes will be walking you know, backstage at the parks and see something and go, oh, what's, what's going on with that piece? Where's that going? <laughs> can I have it? <laughs> and, you know, it's just it, they just say, if, if you'll pay for shipping, you can have it. And so that's how he started with some of the larger pieces but the big one that he has is he has one of the signs from disneyland of the word disneyland huge that was in front of the park and it was one of the first items that was auctioned on ebay oh wow from disney themselves yes i guess that i'm unaware of who who put it on i think it was disney though i think disney was putting stuff on there and he put his name on and like did a low bid thinking that it was not going to go to him. Right. <laughs> and then, you know, some time passes by and he thinks, you know, th- those things go for days. 
he goes back I'm like, I wonder if anyone else has bid on that. And no one had. And, you know, time was running out and he started refreshing going, oh, no, <laughs> am I getting, am I getting this thing? I might be getting this thing. What am I going to do with this? <laughs> it's huge. And this thing, I mean, it's, it was in front of, it's a giant sign. Like the, the first yeah. D is, I don't know, it's like 12 feet high or something. It's, it's ginormous. Like how do you, how do you bring it anywhere? How do you ship, that? ship it. Was yeah. it like a pickup only situation? Yeah. I, I believe so. It was a rather, it was rather involved and you know, we moved just recently and, uh, in the past year and we've, uh, just within the past month moved that sign from our old house to our new house. And I'm grateful I, I had nothing to do with it. it. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask if so, you own it. <laughs> so yeah, so in case you couldn't tell by the story, John did end up with a sign. And, uh, but he had heard that other people wanted it, like Michael Jackson yeah. and stuff. And he's like, well, surely, you know, the guy with Neverland's going to get the sign. And he, they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he was yeah. very surprised and he did end up with a sign. And he put the, the big D... <laughs> He likes to call it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> visible. He we he we used to live on Mulholland Drive, and he, it was up in the backyard, and you could see it from Mulholland Drive. So it was I, very... I have driven past it and seen it when I've gone on Mulholland. I'm like, that's what. <laughs> I think you got to take a picture so cool. up close with it too, right? When you came I over, I did. I did. Yeah. I got a picture of me and Amelia in the car with the team. <laughs> yeah, we had the grumpy Snow White car in front of the sign in our backyard. Dumbo was in the front yard. We actually wanted to put Dumbo up in the front yard in our new house, but uh, we live in a community that the HOA is rather strict. And they, uh, they should make an, exec- <laughs> an exception for Disney. You know, it, here's yeah. the thing. If it were a Knott's Berry Farm piece, I think they would have accepted it because it's a, it's horse country out here. Oh, and uh, and there are some homes. Yes. I was like, well, if we put a cowboy hat on him, would he? Anyway, he's oh. in the house. He's actually in our living room now, but it's totally cool. Um, and you can name your, you name your house in this neighborhood too, or you can, if you want. And so we named our house, uh, where elephants fly because mainly with the intention of putting Dumbo in the front yard and having him fly up, (laughs) but it's okay. He's flying inside or, you know, he's resting before his next flight. It's cool. And Um, you guys, you guys were in, in the Dumbo when you were on, um, the Disney family sing-along, right? Yeah. Oh, that's cute inside. It's cute. Yeah, it's cute. I like it. You know what? And and we talk about wear and tear and, uh, you know, the melting snow white and such, uh, (laughs) We recently had yeah. Dumbo refurbished, and it was because he was looking pretty dilapidated by the time he got to this house. And so now he Aww. looks brand spanking yeah. new, as you saw in the special. He's all cleaned up and Aww. good. Oh, speaking of two, so Halloween in our old house, we got zero trick-or-treaters a year. And now we're in a community yeah. where there's a lot of children, which is why we moved here for our son. And we decided to make like old haunted Disneyland using our ride pieces we, oh I took, it was really cool. I got all these skeletons and I made like, I, you know, they have skeleton mermaids. And so I got an aerial wig and put it on and got this, you know, made purple <laughs> shells. And, uh, and then I, we had this really funny chef, like full size chef thing. And he's holding his hand out. Like a, he's holding a serving tray and I put a serving tray with a crab on it and he's holding a knife in the other. And then we had uh, the Space Mountain car, which I put my clothes on, skeletons, and put it in there and, and posed them like they, you know, with their hands up as if they're screaming on the ride. And I made a, I got a Snow White um, Halloween costume and put it on a skeleton and put it in our Grumpy. And then whoever was handing out candy was sitting next to her. Oh my God. And, uh-huh. uh, and Home Depot had this really awesome, huge, like, front of a pirate ship. 
Yeah. And so, which mm-hmm. came with like a skeleton on it and stuff. So, you know, we had our little aerial area, parts of the Caribbean area, Space Mountain. And then I got on Etsy, there was a shop that did the little like hitchhiking ghosts sort of um, painted uh, foam things that looked pretty cool. So we tra- we represented all these different areas of the parks <laughs> as the kids walked through our that driveway. so cool. Oh my god! It was a lot of fun. So are you guys going to... I want to trick or treat I know, right? Like, Seriously. I wish there I was an that. award for best house. I feel like I feel like we should we should have we should have at least gotten second place. I was we were really proud of what we did. Uh, first. <laughs> All right. So I know that Halloween is probably maybe gonna be a little different this year, but aside from that, in general, do you think you guys are gonna be doing the Disneyland haunted thing reoccurringly? In my in in my dreamland, what I would love to do is just add a little bit every year. So it'd probably be yeah. like the same every year, but just a little bit of an addition until like our entire house is just filled with <laughs> decorations that are I Disney love related. it. Are, are you going to do a holiday yeah. version? Maybe I someday. I love that idea too. I don't really, we don't have any I know it's not specific. like trick or treating. So I know it's yeah. a little different, we, like we, less communal. Yeah. We do Christmas lights, um, but yeah, we don't have Disney theme. But now, now you're making me want to, so maybe we will this year. I, I don't I, know. I, I'm obsessed with Christmas, so that was a question I had to ask. <laughs> we do have a lot of Disney ornaments, though. Like our yeah, our tree yeah. is pretty stacked with Disney ornaments. Yeah, uh, my parents would have a normal tree with normal, you know, normal? the mishmash of ornaments, and then they would have a Disney oh, tree so you, with all of. So the for you, it's multi generational too, huh? Like my my dad yeah. worked for Disney when oh, I was totally. young, and that's where I think my love began was getting to go to Disney events growing up. Uh, and my mom's yeah. a big fan too. We're all still big fans. Yeah, go all the yeah. time. Definitely multi generational. And we're and, passing and it Jeff, down. You have a. <laughs> And we're passing it down. I I realized that my son can identify Disney characters and even the songs that they sing. Like, we'll all play Disney hits on Spotify or whatever, and a few notes will go by, like, that's Ariel or whatever. And he knows, he knew those more quicker. Then they then he can say colors and numbers, and they start to realize, oh, maybe I should I should start playing. I, some I had a similar life. experience. Our friend Erica, who was just on last week's episode, um, one time uh, Amelia was saying facts about Harper Goff, Imagineer, <laughs> and and Erica was like, "You you're in the making of being a Disney history YouTuber," and Amelia says, "For real, <laughs> do it, start it, why not?" Amelia knows more than I do at this point. Like Amelia has maybe be our guest for next episode. Oh, she should be. Yeah, that would be so adorable. She, but she should have her own thing. Like you know how um, are you smarter than a fifth grader? She's like, are you smart? You know more. Do you know more Disney than Amelia? And most people would be no. They don't know more. She does like to take my phone a lot and just film her Disney toys. And she and she pretends she has a YouTube channel. And she call, she's already named it Amelia's Corner. And some days she'll be like, "Do you want to make an Amelia's Corner video?" <laughs> it's the next generation. My daughter Clara also has her own YouTube channel that she has made up. It's not a real YouTube channel, and she calls it Sparkle Girl C. Adorable. <laughs> That's adorable. You go, <laughs> girls. I know we sidetracked there a little bit. That's fine. It's fun. Just a little. Where were we? Um, Uh, We're supposed to be talking about Disney memorabilia, I guess. Halloween. Yeah, well, 
That's pretty much it. Kids trick or treat. It was fun. (laughs) But uh, when we were on the ride vehicles, you were talking about Dumbo and how you refurbished Dumbo. Yeah, that was fun. Um, Yeah, so he just he just sits in our house, and Billy likes to climb up on them. And now my my husband's gotten into trains, and now we have like a electronic train going around Dumbo. Oh, fun. Oh, cute. But yeah, it's fun. And, and um, uh, you know, John's not the only person, right, with all these collectibles with Richard and Nikki Craft. Well, I guess they don't have anything anymore. But <laughs> a giant collection that I, I couldn't believe. I think they made over $7 million on that Whoa. auction. Uh, a lot of it going to charity, by the way. Um, yeah. And then there's, you know, the Brooke and Robin Lopez twins, the basketball players. They have mm-hmm. an insane mm-hmm. amount of very similar memorabilia. They have, I mean, so we have a few pieces that are huge. They have a ton of pieces that are huge, like entire warehouses and houses. I did not know that. I, I could yeah, tell that Robin Lopez yeah. was a huge fan. I follow him on Twitter because, you know, he's in the NBA bubble at the Grand Floridian right now. So or he Grand must Floridian? be in No, heaven. not Grand Floridian. I meant... Uh, Hotel Coronado. But uh, he has been like tweeting really deep Disney cuts on Twitter. So I'm like, you're a, Dis- you're a real Disney <laughs> yeah. fan. I can oh, tell. <laughs> he, oh, he is serious. I met one of them. Oh, at the last, I think it was the last D23 time, maybe. Oh, time, like he's a time now. I don't know. But he showed me pictures <laughs> from his warehouse and it was, I mean, he has Disneyland. He has oh, Disneyland in his warehouse. <laughs> And now he lives at Disney World. Yeah, yeah we, they already have a house there. We, I don't know if one of them or both of them or they share the house. Yeah. They have a, they have a dis- house on to, on property too. They're yeah. uh, they're super fans and um, wow, they're a yeah. lot of fun. They're a lot of fun to talk about Disney. That's with. cool. So you have the whole Disneyland sign. Is it just in your it's yard? In the backyard. It's so big. It's in several different areas of the backyard, just like it was in our old house, and just like our old house, we are going to put up the big D. Um, it will not be visible. I mean, just the the way where we are now, we're not visible as much to the public, yeah. so it won't, we won't be on a Star Tours anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, right. But it's it'll it'll be up in the backyard, and I'm and I'm excited to see it every day again. It's it's right now. It's kind of tucked away. You just walk out and feel just like you have this little enchanted space. Yeah, I do feel like that. I mean, even without that, I I we're so happy where we've moved. It's um. Yeah. Really lucky to be able to be here and raise our son in a community with children around. That's right. Yeah. He would he would have been so, so lonely cool. in our old place. Yeah. yeah. It's a crazy time right now. <laughs> yeah. John will sometimes just whip out random stuff from his collection, especially since we moved. There have been pieces that have been found that he forgot that he had. Like for years we were talking about, oh, it'd be so awesome to get one of those Dumbo uh ride posters that they had at the park. And I think Richard yeah. And Nikki, they um they auctioned one off, but oh, everything went for so much money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah, we yeah. we ended up we didn't really we didn't get anything from that. Um, there were some major collectors who showed up for that auction. Uh, yeah. but in the move, we felt we had one. We had a Dumbo poster <laughs> rolled up that he just forgot what? about. That someone must have wow. given him at some point, and uh, we got to refurbish that a little bit and hopefully put that on the wall near our, near our Dumbo carriage. Oh, that would be, be so fun. awesome. Um, what is your favorite piece that you guys? Oh, I know it's probably hard to pick, but oh, I guess I mean I have to say Dumbo. We get the most. He we, he gets the most love too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and you oh, know I'm what sure. else is really cool? We've gotten some play lately. It's John's recent, most recent uh, gift to him was a was not a uh, the Walt Disney phone from his apartment on Main Street. What? Oh. Yes. Oh my god. Really likes to call Walt on it all the time. <laughs> oh, that. <laughs> 
amazing. Yeah, that that, that piece wow. is really cool. And it came with a picture That's of Walt beautiful. on the phone, just like talk, chatting, doing some business. <laughs> Oh, that's so great. Yeah, that was a cool piece. That's beautiful. So those are the yeah. two favorites, I think. You got to go with the uh, the thing that Walt actually interacted with. And also the Dumbo is just so happy. He is. He's a happy yeah, Dumbo. And, you... and I do feel like, you know, Dumbo yeah. is just so quintessential Disney. Like you just immediately yeah. think of Fantasyland and 1955 yes. Disneyland. Yes. Yeah, he's special. Yeah. so melanie i think you're going to talk to us about some of the most valuable collectibles that you found i am so in this segment i'm going to be talking about the disney memorabilia items that fetched the highest prices at auctions and the most expensive disney items currently listed on ebay because i was curious about that yeah i'm interested (laughs) you know john's birthday is around the corner yeah and the priciest item found on shop disney's website right now which may become a collectible of the future i bet you know what it is (laughs) we'll just have to see if if it becomes a collectible in the future so i'm going to start with disney memorabilia sold at auctions unfortunately i couldn't find one comprehensive list online of the top selling disney auction items of all time there wasn't one that had reliable sources it'd be like this supposedly sold for this much and so there wasn't one list so I'm kind of pulling from different lists and it's not you know not necessarily totally comprehensive there might be some things missing from it I was at least able to pull together my own list of the top selling items I could find and confirm so this will be kind of an overview of the types of items that fetch the highest prices and what collectors are willing to spend on them Now, there are several factors, as I'm sure you know, that go into a Disney item starting a bidding war, and here are a few of them. One is scarcity. So obviously, the rarer the item is, the more people will want to own it. For example, as Caitlin talked about, ride vehicles fetch high prices because they were often just trashed after a ride was closed, like you said, or the vehicles got an upgrade to newer models and they no longer needed the old vehicles, so it would... Go to John. (laughs) (laughs) Also, the the reason why they uh, have upped in price recently is because in recent years, they have made it harder to get those things. They don't just give those away anymore. Yeah. 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 Imagine maybe a lot more go to the archives now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They hold on to them or destroy them themselves because they don't don't want everyone having it. Yeah, it increases the rarity that those vehicles are even out there. There's so few out there right now. And, you know, things like original concept art or um, irreplaceable antiques are really desirable to collectors. You know, obviously, the older it is and in better shape it is, the more interesting it's going to be. Another factor is an item's proximity to Walt Disney himself. Now, I didn't even know that you were going to be talking about the telephone, but the telephone was one of the examples that I had heard about. Um, Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Disney's personal telephone from his Disneyland apartment. It's obviously that's going to be a desirable collectible because Walt himself interacted with it and signed books with Walt's autograph in it. The older, the better. At the That's from Disneyland exhibit, there was a signed copy of one of the opening day guides to Disneyland that was signed by Walt Disney and that fetched a higher price than they were expecting. People want things that are related to Disney himself. It's becoming rarer and rarer over the years to get your hands on those things. And top selling items that are on the newer side tend to be commemorative or limited edition. So sometimes this will be a prize won in a contest 
marking the anniversary of a park opening or a movie release. And other times it will be an item that had a purposely small number of copies produced so that it naturally becomes a collectible. So keeping that all in mind, I'm going to share my top 10 list of the Disney collectibles that fetch the highest prices at auctions. Okay, I am curious. Now, now again, there are probably some big ticket items that I didn't know about that should be on this list, but these are the ones that I could find online and they're they're all relatively recent. So many of the items on this list were from the That's From yeah, Disneyland I can exhibit. imagine. Well, they... They were so smart about it. You know, they they did really yeah. brilliant press and their yeah. and the oh, way yeah. that they they you know, they had the month long exhibit and had every, oh, so many eyes in there. Yeah, they were really smart. And then mm-hmm. did and saying it was for charity too, you know, doing it for charity that yeah. all those things really helped drive their price up. Yeah. And it was just fun that anyone could go and see it just for mm-hmm. free. Yeah, he turned it into a, you know, more of a big party. Yes, <laughs> and actually <laughs> and if you want to learn more about the exhibit, what it was like, um, and you like podcasts, I recommend listening to the Craftland episode of an NPR show called Invisibilia, which takes a deeper look at how Richard Craft's collection began and his motivations behind selling the items. It was a really thoughtful episode. And also, you might want to know, we've been talking a lot about Richard Craft, and you might want to know who he is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's, uh, I don't. I mean, I don't know if you care, but he's a, he's a, he's, a, he's an agent actually uh, in uh, Hollywood. He's an agent to some really interesting uh, musician types that you all might have heard of. Alan Menken, right? Yes. Alan Menken, oh, right? Yes. Alan Menken's one. But Disney I was trying Le- to actually. Yes, Dizzy Legend. Alan. Alan. Recent EGOT. Recent EGOT. Alan Menken. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the, the name of the person I'm trying to come up with. Tim Burton's music guy who also did The Simpsons. Danny Elfman? Thank you. Yeah. Richard Kraft is Danny Elfman's (laughs) agent and uh, Alan Menken, among many other very talented people. Lots of Disney connections. Yeah. He also has directed John in uh, Little Mermaid Live at the Hollywood Bowl. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I think he also was involved with The Little Mermaid uh, Live on Television. Uh, Sean was in too, and uh, Willy Wonka too at the Hollywood Bowl. He says, um, yeah. cool. he does a lot of cool stuff. So, so, yeah. so, so sorry, guys. I know we got a little ahead of ourselves because we all went to the That's from Disneyland exhibit. But So thank you for providing the context. So now you all know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I know we, we sometimes talk like everyone who's listening will know what we're talking about. And that's not always the case. <laughs> we try to give backstory. Yeah. So the Disney memorabilia ranked, and this is just what I could find. So no, that's not comprehensive. But from what I found, number 10, an original people mover attraction vehicle went for 121000 at the That's from Disneyland auction. It sold for about $86,000 above the pre-auction estimate of $25,000 to $35,000. So that happened with a lot of pieces in this auction. Oh, yeah. They estimated very low and it ended up very, very high. <laughs> so this was a 1967 ride vehicle. It was one of only 13 known to still exist. Wow. As most of them had been, yeah, destroyed or discarded when the attraction closed in 1995. The seven-foot-long ride vehicle was designed by Imagineer Bob Gurr, and the finish was restored to its original yellow color, and it looked so bright and happy when we saw it. Uh, Did either of you get to ride the people mover at Disneyland? No. You know what's weird is I feel like I did. I don't know if I actually did. Like, I feel like I have (laughs) memories of being up there 
but I, I'm not sure if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. I, I get it. Like, there's a lot of early Disneyland childhood memories where you're like, did I imagine that thing existed? Or did I actually <laughs> yeah. do that? Or am, am I just remembering a YouTube ride through? Like, is that a real memory? <laughs> yeah, or am I just thinking of like old pictures that I saw and imagining myself in them? Right, yeah. right. Yeah, I did ride it. I remember they had a Tron part where the lights were going really fast past you, but you were just kind of inching along. I thought that was a fun <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot of sentimentality around the people mover. And, you know, that's another thing. It's just sentimental favorites will drive up the price. People who miss these rides that they grew up on, it, it may not have been the best ride in the world, but it was one of their personal favorites that can sometimes up the bidding war. So the next one on my list, number nine, the Charlotte Clark Mickey and Minnie dolls. You've probably seen pictures of these, but the really old looking dolls. It sold for $153,964 in 2007. Mm-hmm. They're from the early 1930s. They're the most expensive Disney toys that were wow. ever sold at auction. That is expensive for a doll. Yes, yes. And both dolls are over three feet tall and stuffed with Charlotte Clark's trademark material, Velveteen. And you can see two examples of these dolls at the Walt Disney Archives exhibit at Bowers Museum in Santa Ana when it hopefully reopens later this year, maybe. But they have a virtual tour online. I'm just letting you all know that. Thank you for reminding me of that. Yeah, so you can see that there. And I actually got a replica of it at the Walt Disney Family Museum. I got the mini doll. I'm going to grab it. Yay! They sell these at the oh, Walt Disney Family Museum. Oh, that's wild! <laughs> It's a little creepy looking, but I also really like it because it's that old fashioned kind of a velveteen type material. And I really liked it. It was a throwback to the ones from the 1930s. I thought that was really We'll definitely have to post a photo of your Walt Disney Family Museum replica too. (laughs) We definitely will. (laughs) So you could see her smile. (laughs) Yeah. Number eight is a 1956 comic book and printing plates that sold for $253,270. And it was Mickey and Goofy comic book. I don't know the year it sold or the auction it sold in, but it was a high enough price that I definitely wanted to include it in this list. You probably know comics are often of interest to collectors and can break auction records, but this one came with its original printing plates, which made it even more desirable and Why this is of interest is because comic pages used to be printed by using metal plates, which were then melted down when the printing was finished. So finding an intact printing plate along with the comic book it was printed on is a rare find and part of the reason it was such a high price. So number seven, an Autopia original attraction poster, again, from the Richard Kraft Van Eaton auction. It went for $287,500. It was hand silkscreened original 1956 poster. And according to the episode of Invisibilia that I listened to, it was the first Disneyland collectible that Richard Kraft bid on at auction. He said the picture of the father and son riding in an Autopia car reminded him of happy moments from his childhood or maybe how he wished his childhood had been. And it really made him want to buy the poster. And it was all downhill from there or uphill depending on your perspective on Disney collecting. That was the start of his amazing collection. So number six is a hand-painted Haunted Mansion stretching portrait. We probably all got our pictures with that yeah. at the uh, Van Eaton auction. And it went for $402,500. I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> if you've been on the attraction, the Haunted Mansion starts out in an elevator where you're surrounded by some seemingly normal portraits of old-timey looking people. And then the elevator stretches and the portraits do as well to reveal more sinister pictures. So understandably, the portraits would start to wear down from the daily stretching 
and need to be replaced. And from 1969 to 1972, these portraits were hand painted. Wow. And after that, they were printed. Yeah, they kept repainting <laughs> them. The hand painted versions are very rare and thus very collectible. We can post pictures of ourselves <laughs> yeah, with those. I'll have to yeah, take them up. I think I have a picture I of Amelia picture. there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Number five is the Jose audio animatronic oh, yes. parrot from the Enchanted Tiki Room. And uh, that was also fully working. Yeah, also at the Van Eaton auction, it went for four hundred and twenty-five thousand five hundred dollars. This original audio animatronic figure, which was removed when the attraction was refurbished, and it was restored to working condition using much of the original electrical components as possible to preserve its history. And I really loved this item, not only because I'm a sucker for audio animatronics, but also because it was just really cute to see this talking parrot out of the tiki room and imagine it sitting in your living room. <laughs> That's like my dream. Inter interrupting something you're watching <laughs> on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> it was just a really cute piece. I see why it fetched such a high price, especially since it was, you know, they had restored it so that yes. could, it worked. And those are hard, yeah. to, hard to come by without it working. Yeah. But then a yeah. really cool work functioning one. No, that was, yeah, that was special. Yeah, exactly. Uh, number four is a 1935 film cell from the cartoon The Band Concert. Oh. And in 1999, it went for $426,436. And that is a lot for an animation yeah. cell. And it was the first Mickey Mouse cartoon to be released in color, and it debuted in 1935. So this was an original animation cell from the cartoon and is one of the most valuable Disney collectibles ever sold. That seems shocking that would even exist since a lot of Disney fans know they wiped cells clean to reuse them. <laughs> they didn't just preserve oh. them. Uh, they didn't just preserve them because they wanted to reuse them for financial reasons. So that is shocking that at that time period, they had that cell still. I actually did not know that. That's yeah. really cool. Um, and then the next two are attraction vehicles. And number three is a Dumbo attraction vehicle that sold for $483,000 at the Van Eaton auction. And it was from the 1960s and was repainted in its pink and gray colors. I really wanted that yeah. one because... <laughs> It not only was it Dumbo, but it was pink. I don't remember That's my favorite that. color. I need to go back and look at my photos. I don't know why that one's not ringing a bell. John paid nothing close to that, by the way. <laughs> as we know, this particular auction, as you said, things did go higher than what they would normally. Yeah, I don't yeah. think it, it was. Crazy. I'd be really yeah. surprised if uh, if prices ever got that high again for yeah. any of this stuff that you're listing. Yeah, I imagine for a more private auction, the prices would be different. But since this was it such was so a huge public, thing, yeah. and it got so much press. Worldwide, there were people uh, bidding, I believe. Yeah, exactly. And then number two was a Skyway original vehicle. It went for $621,000 at the Van Eaton auction. Wow. And it broke the record for the highest price ever paid for a Disneyland ride vehicle. Well. <laughs> yeah, the, the Skyway vehicle started with a round design, but the seats were kind of rickety. And then they switched over to a more rectangular shape in 1965. And that was the design until the ride closed in 1994. And for people who don't know, the Skyway was a gondola style ride that would take you from Fantasyland to Tomorrowland and back again. And it was one of my favorite rides when I was a kid. I just loved how you could get a peaceful overview of Disneyland and actually ride through the middle of the Matterhorn. Did either of you get to ride the Skyway? Yeah, no, I never did. I did, but again, I was so I was so young at that point. Like I think I remember doing it. 
Yeah, <laughs> but maybe not. Maybe yeah. it was a dream. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? I don't. Who yeah, knows I, feel like I, don't think, I don't. My yeah. first trip was when I was three. So if I did, it would have been then. But I don't remember that trip at all. <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. I I kind of wish they'd bring it back. But at least they have the sky ride at Disney World now. Yeah, it's back. Those... It's different. Uh, yeah, I've heard it's very like kind of takes you from parks to hotels or hotel to hotel, and I've heard it's quite efficient. The last time I was there, I saw them. I did not ride mm-hmm. them. But they were totally enclosed, I believe, and they yeah. had different designs. It's a different vibe. Like it's safer, I guess. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a totally enclosed yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, you can't uh, pour ice down on the people below you or fall out. Apparently, my uncle would do that as a teenager growing up in Anaheim. <laughs> I wonder if John did that too. (laughs) I mean, it sounds like it was a common thing for teenagers to do in like the 60s and 70s. Which is why it doesn't exist now. (laughs) Exactly. That's part of it. If they had behaved better, then maybe we'd still have it. (laughs) All right. And the number one was a gold celebration Mickey statue that went for $4,120,000. Yes. Real gold? Yes. Okay. The most valuable Mickey Mouse memorabilia ever sold. And it is a nearly two-foot gold statue that was formed from nearly 100 pounds of 24-karat gold. It was to celebrate 100 golden years of magic, to celebrate Walt Disney's 100th birthday, and the proceeds from its sale were donated to Disney's foundation. So that's really cool. That raised a lot of money. That is great. Whoa. All of our jaws are dropped, by the way. (laughs) I know. We were like... (laughs) <laughs> well, also, you went from six hundred thousand, which is yeah. astronaut. I mean, that's a lot yeah. for you know. Oh, but yeah. you yeah. went from six hundred thousand to four million. That is a big jump between number one and number two. <laughs> I mean, we're talking oh, yeah. like the, pretty much every everything. Uh, all the items on this list, you could have bought a house for somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, so, it is yeah. nice that mo- it sounds like most all of these were went to charity, so that's great. Yes, that is that's great. But it's just funny to think you could buy a house. I know. <laughs> so crazy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But yeah, a lot of money for charity, which is cool. So I know it's getting late, but should we talk about the priciest Disney collectibles currently on eBay? Yeah, I want to know. know. I want to know. <laughs> okay. As of a few days ago, number five is a $12,500 starting bid for a Fantasia Sorcerer Mickey limited edition watch and Chernabog's hand statue. Now, if you don't know what the Chernabog is, this is for listeners. I'm sure we all know. It is the sort of demon guy from the original Fantasia. He was in the Night on Bald Mountain segment. So it's a statue of his hand. And then on the other side, it's like a waterfall with Mickey coming out of it. And Mickey would be holding the watch. And this was a one of a kind uh, Mm. display that was in the store where you could buy the watch. Let's see. It was in at the store on the first floor in the Disneyland Hotel in 2000 for the 60th anniversary of Fantasia. Wow. And the uh, seller says he purchased the last Fantasia Mickey Sorcerer watch in the case and acquired the hand statue at the time as part of the purchase. I don't know how we convinced yeah. them. Yeah, how did they? How are they him. allowed to? I mean, I guess that was, sounds like maybe that was still when they were a little bit more lax. Lucy not yeah. Like, yeah. But <laughs> so what I want yeah. to know is: is there a bid on it? Or is it just listed as that? I'm curious. So it's listed. Yeah. I didn't see if there were any bids a few days ago. Yeah. There might be. There might not be. Some of these, they've listed at a high price and don't get any bids. Mm-hmm. But these are the 
prices they're trying to sell them yeah. at. Right. No, I know. I, I was just That's curious. I, was like, I have to know if someone bid on it. That's so crazy. Oh my yeah. gosh. Number four is a $15,000 starting bid. It is a Walt Disney Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs ceramic figurine set. It is official. It's from, but it's from 1982, which I wouldn't think would fetch a high yeah. price. But the thing is that it's huge. So oh. Snow White is like 17 inches tall and eight inches wide. And the tallest dwarf is nine inches tall. So I think maybe the mere size mm-hmm. of it mm-hmm. and the fact that it's authentic is why they're asking such a high yeah. price. I don't know that anyone would be willing to pay that, but it's a lot. And then number three, a starting bid of $19,999 wow. is a 1968 Walt Disney Swiss Family Robinson movie printing block. So this is a letterpress printing block that they probably would have used um, to create the title of the movie. Oh, wow. Uh, they say it's most likely one of a kind. I think that would be an interesting, that's like a, a legit piece of movie memorabilia. Yeah. I don't know if anyone would be willing to pay almost $20,000 for it. There are some people who are very like into Swiss Family Robinson collecting and I, I bet yeah. they would. Or just movie memorabilia. Yeah. Number two with a starting bid at $25,250 is an Aladdin Black Diamond classic VHS tape from 1993. So What? A VHS tape? Yeah. This is funny because there was a time when a Black Diamond VHS tape of Beauty and the Beast went for $9,000 on eBay because there was a rumor that those were incredibly rare. Yeah. So someone paid that much, but now you can buy them on eBay for between five and $30 on average, yeah. depending on the What condition. a bummer for that person. <laughs> yeah. So I think people oh are still under the impression that these black diamond VHS tapes, which my brother actually has a lot of, are worth a ton of money. Yeah. And they're actually not. They may be worth sentimental value or a little bit of extra cash if you're cleaning out your house, but it really is not worth that much, unfortunately. But people are still trying to charge that much or start the bidding that high, which is really weird. Yeah, interesting. Especially with Disney Plus now, I feel like. I know. Oh, no, seriously. <laughs> yeah. Like, you can watch any of those. <laughs> And then the number one was a starting bid of $250,000. Again, it is one of those 1956 Mickey Mouse and Goofy 10-page comic with the printing plates. I don't know if it could fetch that price, but it does seem like a genuine artifact because they melted down those printing plates. And there are a lot of people who collect comics and they go really wild for collecting comics. So something that old and rare would probably be quite a collectible to add to the collection. I don't know for $250,000, but that's what they're asking. Again, a house or... (laughs) I'm at least glad that you said it was the comic though, because when you said, again, it's another, I thought you were about to say a VHS tape. I was like, no, no. (laughs) I was like, no. (laughs) There are several of those where they're asking $9,000 to $10,000. I'm like, don't do it. You could just go further down the list and get one for 20. So don't do it. Also, you've inspired me. If I'm ever just like can't sleep at night or something, it might just be interesting to just see what Disney collectibles are on eBay just for fun. Yeah. And lastly, the most expensive item on shopdisney.com right now that might be a future collectible. Jess, did you have a guess for what I, it I might think be? it's the Arebus Brothers Cinderella Castle for 37500 Oh, it sure is. <laughs> You're exactly <Yes>. right. <laughs> I nailed it. <laughs> it's encrusted in... 28,255 dazzling Swarovski crystal stones, each stone hand-set by a Rebus Brothers fine artist. It's beautiful. It's, it's oh, gorgeous. Yeah. I'd be scared about shipping it. 
I know. Even just shipping that, I'm like, imagine a ride that's not in the condition it should be. It's just shocking because I want, I'm curious, one, if it's the most expensive item on Shop Disney that's ever been on their site. And also, it's just interesting to think that it's on Shop Disney because you never think of items that expensive on Shop Disney. I know. I know. It, it seems like you should only be able to buy it in the parks. It seems a little strange that it would be available on Shop Disney, well, right? Well, you make money somewhere right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Do they put it up, though, when the parks are closed? I don't know. I feel like that's when I noticed it. Mm. Maybe they're like, we got to put this on there. We got to sell it. Yeah, yeah I guess yeah, they yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted us to chat a little bit as we close out the episode about some of the things we personally like to collect. I know we mentioned ears and things like that. What I love to collect, and I'm actually wearing a shirt right now as we're talking, we can, the three of us can see one another on video, uh, is vintage Disney clothing, especially 90s Disney vintage clothing. I mean, it's just the fun of the hunt uh, of finding these pieces and you can look on Pinterest and find old things and trying to find a specific item that really intrigues you. And also, you know, a lot of times you can find them at vintage shops. I mean, not vintage shops, thrift shops and things like that. So it's always like a little treasure hunt. And I particularly mm-hmm. like the 90s Disney clothing. A lot of what they made in the 90s, particularly the Disney store and the Disney catalog, when they had a catalog that came to your home and you could shop from it. A lot of their items I really love. One of the ones I'm wearing now are their, I love the collared button down long sleeve shirts. I typically roll them up for like three quarter sleeve tops, but they had so many fun button down collared tops with crazy embroidery on them. You could find ones with all the Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. The one I'm wearing is um, Mickey Mouse and he's trying to decide what to wear and it's outfits from different <laughs> cartoons he's in. Uh, and so there's yeah. lots of fun ones. I particularly love the Alice in Wonderland and Cinderella tops they made. I have yet to find one, but I always look. Also in the 90s, they made lots of cool mom jeans with really fun prints on them. I really wish that they would make a lot of jeans like this now. I feel like they're kind of making a comeback, but there's always lots of jeans with characters like holding on to your pocket. Like they're like falling out of it. I have a little Mickey Mouse coming out of my pocket right here. (laughs) Do you? (laughs) Um, yeah, I do a little making. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and just ones with patches all over it. it. It's just so vibrant and fun. It just feels nostalgic. It just takes you back to the 90s. So that's also a reason why I love looking for these clothes. And a, a lot of places I look for them now that most everything we're doing is online is I like to look at apps like Poshmark and Depop. Depop is my personal fave, Mercari. And then, you know, eBay, um, you can sometimes find stuff, but Etsy has great stuff too. And a lot of times I also search the hashtag vintage Disney on Instagram, and you'll find a lot of independent sellers who sell directly from their Instagram. And as you do the hunt, you kind of find the brands that you like. Like I said, I like the Disney store and the Disney catalog and a brand called Mickey and Co and uh, Mickey Unlimited. And talking about the parks, because we talked about Disney parks memorabilia a lot. I also love shirts that are things that don't exist at parks like MGM Studios. Uh, which is now Disney Hollywood Studios in Walt Disney World or Disneyland's 35th anniversary logo merch. That's just a classic 90s logo. And also that was the year I was born. So I always like to look for a 35th anniversary logo merch. And also the 25th anniversary of Walt Disney World 
cake castle shirts. I didn't get Uh, to see the cake castle castle in person because I didn't go to Disney World until I was an adult. But I just love the aesthetic of the cake castle. I am team cake castle and I have a couple cake castle shirts and I'll post a photo when we air this episode. But those are some things, the 35th anniversary logo, the cake castle and MGM Studios, which feel really quintessential 90s Disney vintage. So those are some of the things I like to collect. Yeah, 90s style is so in right now. It's so on trend and you're young and cute. So when you wear (laughs) 90s things... You look trendy. When I wear 90s things, I look like I didn't stop wearing them and I've just been wearing them since the 90s. That is completely not true, Melanie. I was actually just thinking about how like, I I wonder if I still have a shirt like what you're wearing. I remember I had one embroidered with the Winnie the Pooh characters on it that was like that. I'm like, I wonder if from the 90s and I wonder if that's still at my parents' house. I know. Yeah. Sometimes my parents will get things out of an old box or something. They'll be like, oh, look at this shirt. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I could wear that now and it'll be in trend again. I I love Uh, these shorts. They're mom shorts with Mickey on a surfboard, very neon, the the part of the shorts are. But I disagree with you, Melanie. I feel like 90s style is great because I feel like it looks flattering on everyone. Oversized. I I appreciate the oversized look, especially after several months in quarantine. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. I'm not fitting into my pants anymore. I mean, there's no reason to buy new clothes right now, except that I don't fit into my old clothes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mom jeans for the win, and especially if they have cute Disney characters on them. So, <laughs> absolutely. So, Caitlin, I know you mentioned mini ears. Or is there any? Yes, I would love to hear more about what you like to personally collect. I love so bags. Danielle Nicole Loungefly, yeah. the really cute sort of mini backpacks. Speaking of nineties. Like there's some really, really cute ones right now. I mean, every time I walk into the parks, I see a mini backpack. I want it. I'm like holding my wallet far yeah. from, from the register because yeah. I just want to scoop them all up. Loungefly just can't stop making mini backpacks that I feel like I have to have. Yeah, it, is, it feels <laughs> like a need. It really does feel like a need. <laughs> They're so cute. Yeah. The small world one. Oh, I'm so, I wanted that. I, I I didn't buy it, but I really wanted it. My my <laughs> personal favorite because I love pineapple thing. I just love the aesthetic of a pineapple, and I love pineapples. And <laughs> they made a, and Dole Whip, They made a pineapple mini backpack, and there were Mickey ears on it that looked like pineapple rings, and that's that's my personal favorite. Oh, <laughs> Do you have you. a personal favorite bag that you have from like Lunchboy or Danielle Nicole? I think it was Dumbo from Danielle Nicole. Yeah, it's like oh. black, it's black with Dumbo on it. It's oh, it feels very yeah. cool. Um, <laughs> but I have so many. I also love I love my Stitch Aloha little makeup bag thing. I just I don't know. They're all they're all cute. <laughs> yes. Is there anything else that you personally like to collect? Well, the yeah ears. I mean, really, I have a lot of ears, ears. and I. I'm mad at myself for not making a cute wall of them yet. They're all just sort of unattractively thrown onto hooks at the moment. <laughs> like they really need to be cuter. And then, yeah, and clothes too. Not a particular style, but I'm like, I'm often in a Disney shirt. I really like one of my favorite clothing items is a dorkable apparel. The it's mm-hmm. a t-shirt with the with the shells on it. Actually the yeah, sweatshirt with yeah. the shells on it. The new one, like the crop top sweatshirt. It's my new favorite, except it's just too hot to wear it right now. Um <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I uh, love that. I thought that's super cute. Very oh, cute. Oh and socks. 
I wear, I'm always in Disney theme socks and I never match, yeah. but they always like coordinate. So I'll have like a Sebastian foot and a mermaid foot or a <laughs> flounder foot or, or I'll do a Jack Skellington with a Sally. <laughs> It, oh, I mean, so it's cute. hard to find matching socks because socks just their their partners just disappear all the time. <laughs> they just yeah. go away when we I do laundry. There's always one missing. <laughs> <laughs> so, what about you, Melanie? What do you like to collect? Well, like both of you, I love mini ears. I have too many, but I still want more. Mm-hmm. And I do. I have actually, my house is a mess, but I have managed to make a mini ear wall. Yay. So I have most of them up on the wall. And it's really fun now because since we're not going to the parks right now, I can just look up on the wall and see them. It's really nice. And of course, I love a lot of visual stimulus on my wall. I know that some people like a more clean wall, but I like to put as much art on my wall as I possibly can fit. And so I collect nice prints from artists or a nice. lot of Disney, some of the Disney postcards that you can get at Wonderground. Cute. They make really nice wall art. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just a lot of art prints as much as I can, because I just love seeing Disney art on my wall. And then, you know, I have a problem. I collect <laughs> too many mugs, too many cups. Oh, same. Yeah, a lot of <laughs> mugs. Oh, my God. Like, stop buying mugs, Melanie. Just stop. It's insane. <laughs> it's hard. I can't. Nobody needs this many cups in their home, but I just have to get more cups. Do you have Baymax? <laughs> I love my Baymax one. Oh, I mean, you, know, like, the, you like the oversized ones they have? Yeah. And I also love the heart ones, the ones that they have the heart out in the middle. And it's yes. like, yeah. So I've got uh, Belle and Beast and Wally and Eva. And I love oh, my little. It's it's hard yes. to not want a Disney themed cup. Like there's just too many cute ones. Half the yeah. half of the cups that Disney makes, they're not a normal shape, and so it's hard to store too on top. Yes, that too. <laughs> I know. And those those popcorn buckets. Oh, oh those yeah. are the worst. The best yeah. slash worst. <laughs> yes. Yes. I've kind of made it so that I can hang them from a panel mm-hmm. up in my apartment. Them are good for that. One is shaped like a Mickey balloon, and another one is a Dumbo one. And I kind of have them oh, hanging cute. over a doorway. That's cute. But some of the others, they're just in the back of a drawer because I don't know what. Yeah, to do they're with. so big and awkward. And my son kept like trying to go in it, thinking there'd be popcorn. And if he does find some, it's very <laughs> old. But now we have we just have one at the moment, and it's uh, from Oogie Boogie, and it's actually in our sandbox. I don't know. He's he's decided it's a sandbox toy. <laughs> One time I did buy a popcorn bucket used, and it had popcorn in it. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) Why did they not wash it? I don't know. It wasn't a lot, but I was like, there's something in here. I was like, there's popcorn in this. Oh, gross. (laughs) So, Melanie, do you have a favorite thing that you have? I have a couple of things that are sentimental favorites, and it's because they're a bit older, which is really nice because usually the items are fairly new. One of them is one that you gave me, and it is the Snow White sheet music for Whistle While You Work. It's from 1937. And Jess, you just found this rifling through a random stack of sheet music yeah. in orange. I think it 
I'm pretty certain it was in Old Town Orange um, in Orange County. There was just a big pile of sheet music and it was all super cheap. And I just rifled through every single one because I was like, maybe there's some Disney things in here. And the only other Disney one I found was Lala Lou from Lady and the Tramp. But I saw the Snow White one. I was like, Melody has to have this. And it was so nice that you picked that up for me. And I had to frame it because it's just so beautiful. I love the artwork. And um, Jess knows that my favorite princesses are Snow White and Belle. So whenever she sees Snow White things, she has to alert me or, <laughs> or grab it. It's not too expensive. And then the other piece that's a sentimental favorite is from um, my family. This is actually handed down from my grandma to my mom to me. It's just a little Disneyland bell. Oh, Just cute. a little bell. I'm going to ring it. <laughs> it's all functioning. Yay! <laughs> I think it's from the 60s. So We have a lot of old Disneyland stuff because my great aunt used to actually work for Disneyland. She worked as a telephone operator at the Disneyland Hotel in the 50s. Wow. Yeah. And then later on, you know, she moved away for a while and then moved back and then got a job as a park shopper for mail-in orders in the 1970s. So she would actually go into Disneyland, pick up the merchandise that people had written in that they wanted to order, and she would bring it back so they could mail it to them. So she would just go into the parks grab some merchandise, and then head on back to her office. It's like, that sounds like a great job. Can I just have that job? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't exist anymore because nobody yeah, does mail exist, in order. But... <laughs> no. Well, we're all coming up with our, um, what job would we want at Disney if we lived in the past? Because last week I said I would want to be a copywriter for ads inside of Disney VHS tapes. So we're all coming up with with different what if jobs. (laughs) Oh, I've always wanted to be like Tony Baxter making making the rides. I've got ride ideas that I would love to go on, but they just haven't been made yet. So Caitlin, have you been doing that since you were a kid? Because I have been coming up with ride ideas. Maybe. Can we hear them? Is that okay? That's off topic. I want to hear them. I want to talk about it. It could be another episode. (laughs) Yeah. This is so dorky. But, uh, I came up with a Mary Poppins ride idea when I was a kid and I sent it into Disney and they sent me back like a picture of Disneyland and a nice letter that said, thank you for sending us a ride idea. It was like a whole packet. Of oh, I want to do that. You think if I, I mean, my handwriting is pretty yeah. bad and I feel like <laughs> if I wrote it out and then signed it as, and then it's just lied about my age. <laughs> They They believe it. That's a good question. I wonder if they still do that, if kids send them ideas. Oh, I'm sure they do. I mean, I know that when we've been to the animation studios, they have walls lined with kids' letters to them and kids' pictures that have been drawn for them. So I bet they get right ideas from super nerds like me. (laughs) (laughs) I I have an idea for a ride that uh, would be like Soren, but mm-hmm. I also think it could be where the old people mover is. And that is so like a, a big screen though of um, the universe. We have such amazing images now, thanks to NASA and JPL. Mm-hmm. And I would think it'd be so cool to do like Wally and Stitch's guide to the galaxies type of thing. Oh. And, or maybe cleaning up the universe or something, but some adventure that they have. And wouldn't it be so cool to be flying around in the, in this, in the, one of those wraparound screens like that? Yeah. Nebulas and galaxies, other planets would be so magical. That I would, would think. be. And Tomorrowland. I would write on that in a they second. They should do something like that at the Griffith Observatory. That'd be fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like Space Mountain has kind of that effect. Not the same. I want to go on something like Soarin'. That's yeah. one of my favorite. 
rides and like having it go through space. That'd be so cool. Yeah, that's one of, one of my ride ideas. Yeah, get on that, Disney. <laughs> hire Caitlin to come up with ride ideas, please. Oh, also, this is another idea that's not Disney, but just way back to our la- uh, previous subject um, about toddlers and learning stuff is why doesn't Disney Plus have some toddler learning content? Like, why aren't the princesses teaching oh. my kid numbers and colors? Or Maybe Toy Story. It's coming. Maybe it's coming. I don't know. I oh, got to pitch that. Yeah. <laughs> no, Caitlin, you would be the perfect person to pitch that. <laughs> I want to cut. Yeah. Yeah. Do it. Oh, <laughs> I just want them to do it. Thank you so much for joining us. This was so much fun to talk about collectibles. And I learned so much. <laughs> this is awesome. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Caitlin. Thank you, guys. Do you want to go ahead and let our listeners know where they can find you or any projects you might be working on that you want to talk about? What I have going on right now, besides being, you know, mommy over here, is uh, our charity jewelry line. It's in partnership with My Saint, My Hero, which can be found at MySaintMyHero.com. You can find them on Instagram, the same handle name. And uh, our particular line with them is called St. Amos Jewelry. And we have a bunch of bracelets right now. Uh, that all benefit child help organization. They help children, abuse children all over this, all over our country, and they do incredible things. So you can go there and support them and wear some fun jewelry. Jessica's got some. <laughs> I do. I really love it. I love how it's stackable. And you gave me one as well. Oh, yeah. Hi. She's wearing it too. Oh. I'm not even repping them right now because they tend to make noise. If when I have a stack, they tend to jingle, I, I realize. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> didn't want to mess up the sound on here. But, uh, but yeah, they're very affordable, wearable, stackable, and they're really great gift items. We do some that are like just for mothers and fathers and grandma and also kids line. Um and uh yeah they're for everybody that's wonderful awesome and melanie where can people find you well uh you can find me on instagram at keep quirky and that's k-e-e-p-q-u-i-r-k-y and on twitter at keep quirky oc and jess where are you Uh, where am i (laughs) um i'm at the healthy mouse on Instagram and on Twitter. I'm just healthy underscore mouse. And you can also find me at thehealthymouse.com. And Melanie, do you want to tell them where we you could find all the podcast socials so people can see the photos we're going to post referencing this episode? Yeah. So you can find us on Instagram at cartoons to castles and on Twitter at cartoons castles. And if you want to share uh, this podcast with anyone else, you can uh, send them to our website, cartoonstocastles.com, and there you can find links to your favorite app for listening to the podcast. And if you want to email us with any questions or clarifications, you can email us at cartoonstocastles at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Till next time, keep, keep dreaming. dreaming.